Before we get into today's chat, we'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which we record this podcast today, the peoples of the Kulin Nation. As always, we pay our respects to their elders past and present. Welcome to Talking in Common, a podcast of all things lifestyle, family, relationships, well-being, kids and culture. This is not a how-to, but an insight into the lives of ourselves and others and how we all manage to get by. Hosted by myself, Kate Gadinsky, and my co-host, Sophie Panton. Take a listen and let's find out what we all have in common. Thank you to today's episode sponsor, Activated Nutrients, the creators of certified organic daily multivitamin powders that are scientifically formulated to meet the nutritional and energy needs of you and your family, derived from nature, backed by science. Welcome back. Today, we are bringing you a special mini episode featuring our recent Sharing is Caring guest. In these segments, we like to connect with a person or brand with a great story and initiative, giving you insight, knowledge, and often great tips into a wide range of areas. Today's guest, Rebecca Edwards, is the Director of Education and Naturopath at Activated Nutrients. We hope you all enjoy. Let's get into the chat. Rebecca, thank God you are here with us today. If anyone can educate us on supporting our immune and gut health, it's you. As the Director of Education at Activated Nutrients, we're just so thankful that they put us in touch with you and organise this chat so we can all learn a few things to better support ourselves and our kids and just get through this nasty, endless winter of all the bugs that are going around. Has everyone just been asking you for help and support with illnesses lately? Absolutely. My phone is completely blowing up yeah. with messages from my book club friends and my school mum friends and my childhood friends and my university friends. Everybody wants to know why is my kid so sick this winter and mm. why is everybody I know unwell and what can I do about it? We're definitely in the same boat, aren't we, Soph? Having mm. young kids, they're just mm. constantly, constantly sick. Yeah, it's rough. So, Rebecca, what are some of the basics that we all need to know about our immune systems? Obviously, they're very complex, but give us an overview about how they work. It's really interesting whenever we talk about the immune system because the immune system is such an enigma. You know, if you ask to point to your circulatory system, you can understand that that's the heart and the blood vessels and what's your respiratory system, that's your lungs. But if you ask someone, where's your immune system? What's the answer? It's almost a, a mythical beast, but it's not. You know, we're, we're learning more about the immune system all the time. And I guess the important place to start is that the immune system is not just one thing. I mean, if you want to boil it down, the immune system is a complex messaging system where different chemicals called cytokines are released by the membranes of your white blood cells. And they're released in response to other messages floating around your body, essentially. So your immune system is basically a reaction to uh, what's coming into your body from the external environment. I guess that's kind of a, a little way of distilling down what the immune system is. It is hard to understand because we yeah. do talk about it like it's this simple sort of thing or everyone says like, you know, I need to strengthen my immune system or, but no one really 
knows what it is. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's interesting because something that I hear a lot is people saying, oh, what can I do to exactly what, what you just said, Sophie, strengthen my immune system or boost my immune system? And I think it's really important that we acknowledge that actually you don't want to strengthen your immune system. When mm-hmm. your immune system is too strong, then that's when people can develop autoimmune diseases, which is when you've got immune overreactivity, when your immune system actually starts to attack part of your own body tissue, you know, like in psoriasis or type 1 diabetes or rheumatoid arthritis or Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Mm -hmm. So we don't want a strong immune system. We don't want a weak immune system. Mm. We want an optimally functioning, balanced immune system, and that's what we're all aiming for. So a healthy diet's obviously important. We all know that for our health. But when it does come to our own immune system balance, what does a healthy diet look like? Essentially, it looks like diversity and it looks largely plant-based. I mean, you can find people to argue with you till the cows come home about, you know, raw food vegan is the only way. No, carnivore diet is the only way. No, it's paleo. No, it's low carb. And, you know, the truth is that there is no one optimal pure diet for every single human on the planet, but Mm. also dietary extremes have never been proven to correlate with long-term health benefits. Mm. If we go back to what's an optimal diet for immune modulation or, or healthy immune balance, then what the longitudinal observational research studies show us around the world is that a diet that is largely composed of plant material, especially fresh plant matter, does correlate most significantly with, you know, longer term health benefits. But if we look at why that is, a big part of that comes back to another topic that we all want to talk about all the time that's on the tip of everyone's tongue at the moment, which is the microbiome. Because your immune system is intricately related to your microbiome. Your microbiome is the the complex collection of microbes which reside not just in the lining of your intestinal tract, but actually the lining of every body surface, of every organ, of every cavity. Essentially, humans are just walking crowds of bacteria. Mm-hmm. And you know it's, it can get a little bit creepy when you think about it like that. But we wouldn't exist if we weren't convenient microbial hosts. Yeah, and it's a it's <laughs> microbial you know, it's, hosts. Absolutely, and it's a two way relationship because we exist so that microbes can live on us and in us. But in return, microbes you know play out several really important roles in our immune health. Once again, if we look at what the relationship is between the microbiome and immune outcomes and health outcomes, Mm. we see overwhelmingly that people with the most diverse gut microbiomes are those who are most likely to have the greatest health outcomes. So that means people who have lots and lots of different types of microbial life living inside them. It gets all science fiction-y at this point. Mm. But where this kind of intersects with the diet is that I just love thinking about this. All plant foods contain lots and lots of different kinds of fibers. Some of them we can see, like, you know, when you eat a banana and you can see the strings in the banana, but most fibers that are in plant foods are too small for us to see as humans, but they are definitely big enough for the bacteria in our gut to find and then to use as their fuel sources. You know, the, the definition of fiber is a substance that we don't have the digestive capacity to break down. But the microbes that live inside us do, and they use those fibers to fuel their own metabolic processes. So the more different types of plant materials, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, 
you know, anything that comes from a plant, the more different types you eat, the mm. more different types of fiber you're consuming, the more different types of microbe you are supporting. And mm. what that all adds up to is a more diverse microbiome, which we know relates to a more balanced and optimally functioning immune system. So mm. that's the most long-winded way to answer <laughs> your question. What is a healthy diet? Ultimately, it's a diet that supports your microbiome. Mm. I think at the end of the day, it makes a lot of sense. There is yeah. so many diets out there that are very specific and obviously work for certain body types and certain immune systems and certain people. But the studies show that, you know, diversity, whole foods, a range of different nutrients and foods are what work best. Yeah, it's the only diet that's been proven in the long term. I mean, a lot of these kind of more faddish diets, I guess that's a, it's, it feels like a little bit of an unfair term to use, but more extreme yeah. diets mm. may, you know, work in inverted commas in the short term, but have not been proven to do so in the long term. And the only one that has is the Mediterranean diet. Yeah. And if you look at the keystone kind of definitions of the Mediterranean diet, it's absolutely full of legumes and seasonal vegetables and nuts and Good seeds. Fact, and yeah. exactly, yeah. And largely plant-based, you know, the traditional mm. Mediterranean diets had animal protein only a couple of times a week. Mm. And a more relaxed lifestyle. Don't they all talk about how they, you know, nap get together? Afternoon. Yeah, nap in the afternoon, get together and have their afternoon catch up and, and drink and eat together and all this sort of stuff that has to absolutely play a role in, in their overall health. But I'm a real stickler in my household, Rebecca, to eat the skins of our kiwis and the strings on the bananas and all these things with all the extra fiber. And my partner laughs and he's like, you know, the skins don't taste good. Like, cut them off. And I'm like, <laughs> They're so healthy. There's no point in eating it they without are. it. Do you know, my daughter loves the skin of a mango and I'm like, go for it. Eat it. Oh, you can fantastic. have it. Amazing. Yes. She does. Yeah, so yeah. talking about kids, if they are fussy or picky eaters, which I know from mm. my own experience can be incredibly stressful and you worry a lot as a parent. Well, I do often, you know, and they're not getting enough of the right nutrients from their diet. What can we do? Are things like probiotics going to help them? Yeah, that's a huge question. Ultimately, what we want to do as parents is, and you know, this is, oh my goodness, opening the biggest can of worms, is take the emotional pressure off kids and diet. It's advice that I remember so clearly my mum giving me when my little boy was a toddler. And I remember I was at my mum's house and he'd, I mean, he, he, to be fair, he's actually always been a really good, in inverted commas, again, eater. Yeah. But um, I think he hadn't eaten all day and I was thinking, oh, my goodness, tonight's going to be terrible. And he then sat down and ate three boiled eggs for dinner. <laughs> and I remember saying to him, oh, well done, darling. Mummy's so pleased with you. And my mum just pulled me out of the room quick as a flash. And she said, don't do that. Don't tie your emotions to what he's eating. That's, oh, that's dangerous. I can do that occasionally. So I'm glad you just mentioned that. It makes sense, doesn't it, though? Not yeah, to do it. It, it really does. And it, it was such a light, lightning bolt moment for me. It just made me think, wow, that is how you set up unhealthy relationships with mm. food and emotions. You know, it mm. starts right from that pleasing your mother by, you know, by eating widely. So I guess my first piece of advice to parents would be take your foot off the emotional button when it comes to food. And, you know, the parent's job is to give your child a range of Again, I don't really want to use the word healthy, diverse meals, yeah. foods to eat. And it's your child's job to eat what they feel like eating. And yeah. we don't, you know, we don't threaten, we don't bribe, we don't, um, again, feed any of our own emotions into that relationship. So that's kind of point number one. If we then go start looking at 
you know, what's going on with the actual nutritional input, then it comes back to what we were talking about a moment ago. Diversity is key. And again, with fussy kids, often something that I find works really well is offering them a great big platter of all different things. Yeah. And again, taking the pressure off, putting it down near them while they're playing. Again, think about where did we get this construct that children have to sit at the table and eat all of their food in you know, a 10 or 15 minute kind of sprint and then go back to playing and living their life? Toddlers' entire lives are journeys of discovery and, you know, experimentation. So pop down a plate of five or six or ten different cut-up fruit and vegetables next to them while they're playing. And those little, you know, those gorgeous chubby little hands will just reach Mm -hmm. out and take little bits and they will be exploring their food as they're exploring, you know, with their playtime. So that's something that that works with a lot of people I speak to is just taking the pressure off, providing yeah. lots of variety and letting them explore at their own pace. Yeah. When it comes to what we can do when we've got kids who really aren't um, taking in as much variety or even as much substance as we would want, I'm never a fan of synthetic-based nutritional supplements, but you can look for a, you know, a whole food um, kind of blend of concentrated fruit and vegetable powders that you can mix into uh, plant milk or um, breast milk or whatever you're feeding your kids. So that can be useful there. And mm-hmm. to go back to your question, Kate, around probiotics. So that's a really big topic and something that we're hearing a lot about at the moment. How can probiotics help with the immune system? And again, that comes back to that relationship between the microbiome and immune regulation. Mm-hmm. With probiotics, it's really important to look at the research behind the individual bacterial strains that you're okay. using. It's not the case that any probiotic will be beneficial for the immune system. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure that, as with pharmaceutical medicines, that there is good quality, randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled clinical trials done on the specific strains mm-hmm. or the specific combination of probiotic that you're looking at giving. And yeah, there definitely are strains which have been shown in studies on real children to reduce their risk of contracting respiratory infections over winter. Would you look at the um, specific strains for your child or is it more of like a generic thing that, you know, a certain strain is good for like the winter season to fight certain bugs or for a certain age of child or how do you yeah. understand, like, what is the right strain for your child? I suppose you would speak to a doctor, but... Yeah, or, you know, somebody who knows probiotics well. So mm, it might be your like doctor, you. it might be your... Yeah, like like us. Can we put you on speed dial? Can we have your number, Rebecca? Yeah. <laughs> you can, you absolutely can. And you can, you know, join the chorus of other worried parents who are w- yeah. wondering what they can do. You know, your pharmacist, your naturopath, your nutritionist, your GP, they all may be able to help you if they've, um, you know, if they have an interest in probiotics and may have done some reading. Mm. Um, but it, again, it, it kind of you know just reflects back on the idea of the importance of good quality research that you really want to look at strains which have been put through clinical trials in groups of children just like yours. So that may be children in um, you know the preschool age category, it may be older children, it may be children who are more prone to respiratory infections, it may be children on antibiotics. Uh, so understanding which populations the bacterial strains have been trialed in and the outcomes that have been found will help guide you towards um, you know, the, the strains and therefore the products that are going to be best suited for your needs. That's so great to know because I feel like a lot of people would just go and buy a probiotic that's age appropriate for their child yeah, and see it and go, you know, I take probiotics, they're good for me, I'll buy this for my child and get them to have it. But 
it's obviously a lot more yeah it's always it's always you know important to I think to understand what what are the particular bacterial you know little friends that I'm inviting into my body in this probiotic supplement and what do we know about those exact little bacteria what have they mm. been found to do so yeah my advice would be to speak to someone who has done extra training in probiotics and knows what they're talking about. Rebecca, let's leave our audience with a few more of your amazing tips to support our health, but particularly as well if you've got any more to support our kids' health because I think that's what most, well, what, what Kate and I and most of our audience is concerned about at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this time of year, a lot of my friends have started asking about sun exposure as well and vitamin D. And certainly, again, vitamin D is another one of the factors that comes into that complex interplay of the immune system. Vitamin D is a really interesting one because if vitamin D was kind of discovered now, we wouldn't actually call it a vitamin. We would call it a pro-hormone. It has a lot more in common with the substances produced by our endocrine glands, hormones, than it does with vitamins, the substances that come exclusively from our diet. And that's because we actually produce our own vitamin D, whereas we don't make our own vitamin C or our own you know, vitamin B2 or anything like that. Vitamin D, we do produce ourselves, but we can only produce it under really specific circumstances. We produce right. vitamin D from cholesterol in our bloodstream. And where the cholesterol you know, <coughs> comes from, oh, apologies for the coughing in the background. It's just a, just a topical <laughs> illustration. <quite> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, it's, you know, all of my family have some kind of winter bug at the moment. Sorry, when you just mentioned cholesterol, if, mm. if someone's cholesterol is high, does that mean they produce a lot of vitamin D or does it not work? Not like necessarily, that? because again, the body has these regulatory systems where um, in a perfect world, your body will produce exactly as much vitamin D as it's needed. It won't produce too much. Um, So having too much cholesterol won't equate too high a level of vitamin D. And the other factor when it comes to vitamin D production is sunshine. It's, I just, I absolutely love this whole story, this whole biochemical process. Sun, particular rays of ultraviolet light, UVB rays that come from the sun have to shine on your, essentially on your naked skin and they then activate cholesterol to produce vitamin D. And then there's a lot more biochemical processes after that where the, the initial substance then has to pass through the liver where specific enzymes then act on it and convert it into active vitamin D. So lots of things have to line up. You have to have enough cholesterol. You have to have enough sun exposure. It has to be the right kind of sun exposure at mm. the right kind of year. It has mm. to be on skin that is not covered up. Then you've got that fine balance between having enough sun exposure for vitamin D creation versus skin damage as mm, well. Especially and, and in Australia. Exactly. Everyone's in Australia, that is, that is a dance we're always dancing with. And, you know, vitamin D deficiency is surprisingly high in Australia. And that may be due to us having, you know, especially people around our age group having grown up with the whole. Um, you know, slip, slop, slap campaign and, and slap, really yeah. seeing, absolutely, really seeing the sun as, as evil and dangerous. And it yeah. turns out the sun is absolutely necessary. Exactly. Mm. We need the sun to create this hormone-like substance, which we call a vitamin, even though it's actually probably not, which mm. is responsible for helping to regulate immune activity as well. So careful sun exposure uh, is something that's really important for immune regulation. Can I ask you another quick question on vitamin D? I've got a one-month-old baby who I'm breastfeeding at the moment and I've been recommended to give 
them vitamin D drops because from what I understand, it was one thing that they can't get or they can't absorb from my breast milk. Is that right? Well, it's not exactly. So vitamin D is a fat-soluble nutrient. It needs to be absorbed in the digestive tract with globules of fat. Breast milk is a largely fatty substance. So technically, breast milk should be a good source of vitamin D. The issue with, with any kind of public health directive like you know all breastfed babies should be given vitamin D drops, that comes from really looking at a population level rather than an individual level right. where we can't be sure that every breastfeeding mother has adequate levels of vitamin D for the there to be optimal levels in the breast milk. It's easier and safer to give an overriding directive, if you like, to all breastfeeding mums that breastfed babies should receive extra vitamin D. And it's kind of a a safety net in case the breastfeeding mums levels are not optimal. And again, to be fair, this time of year and after, you know, a a pandemic of of essentially being in our homes for the last two years, it's probably a fair assumption that a lot of breastfeeding mums are not going to have optimal vitamin D at the moment. So that idea of supplementing with extra for a newborn baby is going to have a lot of merit to it for sure. Okay. Any other great tips? Oh, you know, I would just reflect on what we said before, um, diversity, variety, no pressure. And also, you know, coming back again to that kind of no pressure, I'm a big fan of avoiding labelling foods as good or bad foods. We don't attach any value judgment to foods. Food is food. Food is wonderful. Food is nourishing and full of goodness and full of different nutrients we need. And, you know, you can find nutrition in even the most kind of naughty foods and that's not a word I would use but um, you know (laughs) foods that have been demonized that's not what I would base my child's diet on Um, Mm. but I certainly don't make a big song and dance about some foods being good and some foods being bad and some foods being banned and and anything like that food is just what we enjoy putting into our body and it gives nourishment to us love it so great advice and I think if you let them have that variety even foods that as you said we won't label as naughty but you know maybe a bit more of a food that you wouldn't have all the time, then it doesn't become as exciting and as much of a novelty for them. It empowers them to make the right choices too. Mm. I agree. And it's, you know, over all the years that I've worked as a, a consulting naturopath, I would see so many parents who would come in and say, well, you know, my how do I make my child eat all these healthy foods? And I would just take, again, that compulsion out of it. You don't make your child do anything. But again, what the research shows us is that children who grow up with parents who eat what would be considered a healthy diet are most likely to eat a healthy diet as adults themselves. Yeah. So if you model and you provide the kind of diet that you want your child to grow up to eat, then that's likely going to be what they grow up to eat. Amazing. Very good. Thanks for the amazing yeah. advice, Rebecca. Thank you so much, Rebecca. It's been such oh, a joy. Thank you so much you for having me come in to chat with you too. I've been a listener for a long time and it's lovely to be part of the process now. Oh, thank you so much. We could um, chat forever. Chat All forever. Day. And we're going to put you uh, put your number in our phones. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you so much. That's it for today. Make sure you head to incommonprojects.com.au for the show notes. Hit subscribe on your podcast app and follow us on Instagram at Talking In Common. Or you can check out our Facebook page, which is also Talking In Common. Have a lovely day and as always, thanks for listening.